Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Hello there, radio fans. You are listening to Zed Games, Australia's most beloved gaming radio program. We are coming to you live from the 4 Z studios in Brisbane, but you might be listening to us around the nation on the community radio network. Or maybe you're just podcasting us, and that's fine too, I guess, right? That's okay. Yeah, we love those people. Yeah, you guys are the best. Yay. Uh, I'm Lee, and uh, that was Jody. Hello. There's Jody McGregor. Uh, Razor is manning the machine. Hi. There he is. What are we talking about on this show? Lee, you and I have been playing Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Yes, we have. It's a uh, another stealth game starring our favorite secret agent Snake. Yeah. Or one of the snakes. One of the various snakes. Yeah. He's, uh, is he v- Venomed Snake? Yes, Venom Snake. Yeah. yeah. And, and a dog, right? Yeah, D-Dog. Do- have you both got the dog? Yeah, yeah. I've got the All dog. Right. Just wanted to check. And there's a horse. Yeah, but there's a dog. Big fan of both the dog and the horse. But oh. we'll get to that later. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Jody, you have been playing Warhammer 40K Regicide? Yeah, the new Warhammer 40,000 game is chess, but chess with space marines and orcs and guns. So your your chess pieces, your pawns have guns now? Yes, they do. I feel like that would be an improvement. Sort yeah. of. Well, then this might be the game for you. <laughs> But let's get this episode started with the weekend gaming news headlines. Mr. Jody? Sure thing. Metal Gear Solid V publisher Konami has denied that they are walking away from AAA game development, responding to claims made by French site Gameblog earlier this week. A representative said that they would continue to develop games for popular franchises such as Castlevania, Silent Hill, and Metal Gear Solid. The claims follow the departure of technology director Julian Merceron, who developed the Fox engine that powers both Metal Gear Solid V and Pro Evolution Soccer. This is the latest indicator of internal turmoil at the company, which has been accused of having oppressive work conditions for its employees. So these are all good franchises that have in the past kind of been overseen by the the auteur who was in charge of them, right? Uh, So if they want to keep making games in the Silent Hill and Castlevania and Metal Gear Solid franchises without anyone who ever actually knew what they were doing in series that really were the, you know, hundreds of people worked on them, but you could get a sense of the the, the singular genius madman who was holding that whole project together. Well, I think Silent Hill is the one that bounced around the most, but even that had um, Akira Yamaoka doing the music for almost all of the games in that series, so there was at least something unifying it thematically. Yeah, yeah. So Konami probably found all of his instruments and threw them out into an alley or something. So there's there's no way that he's coming back either. Well, from what I understand it, Konami makes most of its money now from licensed pachinko machines. Yes. Because that's a massive business in Japan. Um, it's essentially just pokies, but it makes tons and tons of money. And the new the new Castlevania machine is making them a lot of money. Like you mean- if you want to play the new Castlevania, you have to play a pachinko machine called Castlevania Erotic Pachinko. Like, and I would play that at the drop of a hat, yes. So <laughs> I could see why that would make money. Yeah, so the not-quite-as-money-making uh, video game industry is sort of a secondary consideration to them. I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. It's so sad, though. It really is. 
that they're just maybe going to keep making Pro Evolution soccer games forever. Well, because they don't have to change them. They just yeah, have to print a new disc stuff. every year. You know, those are the games that don't have auteurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Video game voice actors are currently voting on whether to go on strike in order to resolve a negotiation over contract terms. SAG-AFTRA, the union representing video game voice performers, wants to introduce back-end bonuses where actors receive bonus payments if the product hits certain sales milestones. This is common uh, in film actors' contracts, but not for video game voice actors. Additionally, SAG-AFTRA wants to introduce stunt pay for vocally stressful performances and instances where the performers must perform physical stunts for motion capture. Video game publishers and SAG-AFTRA have agreed not to release any information to the media until the issue is resolved. I have seen a number of voice actors who have openly declared that they are voting yes, but Nolan North is not amongst them, and so 98% of all video game characters are safe and will continue (laughs) to be voiced as long as he doesn't go on strike. But Jennifer Hale is going on strike, or has agreed to vote, is voting to strike, and so... so all female characters in games will be silent from this point on. And and Krem from uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, who is transgender, and uh, Jennifer Hale voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. So, yes. yeah. The thing about motion capture is interesting. Uh, wasn't it the Splinter Cell series where they recast the voice of um, Sam Fisher because they had they had an older voice actor playing him and they wanted to introduce motion capture and like live vocal oh. takes and so that's why they got a younger dude to play him because he needed to be able to deliver his lines while climbing up walls and shooting at pretend dudes that's really interesting and seems needless like like just get him in the booth and get another man to climb up a hill right like we've been we'd be able to tell we'd know <laughs> he's an actor yeah. like it wasn't James Earl Jones in the Darth Vader costume, and that didn't seem to hinder his performance. That's a good point. Dead Island Epidemic, a planned MOBA based on the popular Dead Island series, has been cancelled. The game is currently in open beta, but all servers will be deactivated on the 15th of October. Incentives will be given for players who want to spend any remaining currency before the servers shut down. I slipped this into the news because I was expecting that Candy would be in here, and Candy is the only person on the planet who still cares about the Dead Island franchise. <laughs> but she doesn't play MOBAs, so yeah. you know that's, that's why that failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Hitman reboot has been delayed. Previously expected for release in December, the new date is March 2016. A statement by IO Interactive said that the delay was due to the developer wanting to launch the game with more content. They also claimed that one of the levels in the new game will be six times the size of the largest level found in Hitman Absolution. Have either of you guys been keeping up on the development of this game? I've heard really crazy stuff about how it's going to work that makes no sense to me. Yes, yeah. So the idea, as I understand it, is that the game isn't going to launch with all of the content that it will have ultimately included, and they will be releasing like levels and new missions. And somehow, though... This isn't like a DLC style of thing. This is just that the game will just grow and evolve based on uh, how people are playing it, right? Mm. And it's going to be more open Hitman-style puzzle missions rather than the the, the narrow, linear, narrative-focused ones that they had in the previous game. Uh, And then... You would, they would just be able to plug more content into these new open spaces, right? Which is a very cool idea, but I think also like, this kind of situation maybe means that not many people responded well to being told that you'll buy the game and eventually you will get all of the game. Uh, so, you know, that's fine. Just wait. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's that like we we we've always been wary of the LC and the even free digital content that gets delivered further down the track. It's the sandwich that you buy that you don't get the meat until like January, right? That's that's one way of looking at it. Try and like fault my analogy, Jody, if you can. <laughs> what if you're vegetarian? Well, then don't eat that component when it comes out in January. <laughs> Persona 5 has also been delayed. Expected at the end of this year, the game has been pushed back until mid-2016. A little bit disappointed. Mm -hmm. It was definitely one of the games that was on my radar for this year. But I'm happy if they're going to take the time to polish it up, make it nice. Uh, I'm fine with that. Hasn't the Persona 4 dancing game just come out? It's coming out at the end of the month. Right. Yes. Are you going to pick that up? You know, to fill I'm the tempting. gap. I'm Have you already pre-ordered it? No, no. Uh, Are you playing it right now under the table? <laughs> I wish. He's dancing right now. Yeah, no, I don't know. In Japan, they just love their spin-offs. They have a far larger tolerance than we do over here in the West for these crazy games that are only peripherally related to the, the hit franchises. This, this dancing one seems to be a real test <laughs> of my patience in there. Uh, I don't know. Like, really, a dancing age? We need it? I don't think so. You're still going to get it, though, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Nintendo has submitted a patent for a controller that replaces the shoulder buttons with scroll wheels. Aside from that, the controller appears similar in design to the Wii U gamepad. It's believed that the patent is related to the upcoming NX console, which will succeed the Wii U. Nintendo has stated that there will be no further information regarding the NX until next year. Scroll wheels. What do you think about that, Lee? I like scroll wheels. Uh... So that's the top shoulder buttons then rather than the triggers, right? Yeah, so you can, like, rotate them left and right for some reason. I'm, you know, going to say I don't see why I would necessarily need multiple scroll wheels, but I'm sure that Nintendo have got a really, really good demo lined up that will make me lament the fact that I don't have multiple scroll wheels instead of these lame shoulder buttons that I'm working for right now. Yeah. That's the thing with the Nintendo is that they're, they're never really content to just copy anyone else and go the safe route. They always have to be innovating, mm. which is kind of, it's a respectable position to take. Sometimes, though, instead of being innovative, they're just, like, changing a thing and then going to great lengths to tell you why it was a good good reason to change that thing, apart from secretly just, like, you know, commercial reasons. But... Um, who knows what the rest of this controller will have attached to it. Maybe it will have like a pair of stockings at the bottom that you put your feet into so that when you walk, your in-game character walks as well. That's the other bit that they haven't yeah. included in that patent yet. I think that's pretty likely, Lee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that in the new Nintendo <laughs> NX. Hello, and you are listening to Zed Games. That was Thomas Dolby with She Blinded Me With Science, one of many uh, 80s pop hits you can find apparently in Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain, which Lee and Ray have been playing. We have been playing it. Tell me, tell me some of the songs that you have found hidden in Metal Gear Solid V. Well, I imperiled myself because I heard the, the little bit of, of uh, take, on me. take On Me, and I had to go and stop the extraction mission I was in to make sure I had that tape because I wanted to listen to it at all times in my attack helicopter. Right, so you're in the middle of a mission and you can hear 
like the cassette is it in like a radio where the guards playing it you have to beat them up and steal their music yeah yeah it's in a it's in a tape player it's an actual like sony cassette and a tape player uh and i walk past a window in a prison that i have successfully infiltrated and i'm sneaking out with this prisoner and i know that at any minute someone is going to find one of the bodies i've left in my wake uh, and i'm like that's fine my helicopter is coming in it's going to be great and then i hear that and I know that everything is going to be terrible in five minutes because I have to make sure I get that tape. Uh, and we all almost died, but it's fine <laughs> because now I have take on me. Hmm. I yeah. understand. The whole game opens with David Bowie's The Man Who Sold the World, yeah, which is kind of cool. Uh, but on your iDroid, which is your personal little, little that, smart device. Your 1980s smart device, yeah. yeah. I was pleased to find that it comes built in with Ride of the Valkyries by <laughs> Wagner, nice. which nice. is the perfect music for, uh, you know, while you're about to enter a siege, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good pre-siege music. It is kind of weird that you are fighting or sneaking around in Afghanistan, fighting Russian soldiers, and all of them have uh, cassette players playing the best of the, like, 80s pop music. Um they're really, really into it. They're very, very trendy for Why Russian. would they not be? Yeah, mm. yeah. Those Soviets love that Western culture. Yeah. Known for it. Mm-hmm. We should step back a bit, though. Yes. So, so Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain is the second Metal Gear Solid Five to be released. Uh, that's after Ground Zeroes, which came out a little while ago. Yeah, yes. Uh, Ground Zeroes was almost more of a a taster or a teaser for the greater systems that they were working uh, into the the Metal Gear uh, Phantom Pain. And so that is a prequel to this and was just a a single location that you could sneak around in and and kind of approach from different ways. And then all of the cool ideas that they introduced in that game are all here and they've all been pumped full of steroids and all of their friends have come as well. Like this is one of the most complicated and yet sensible stealth games I've encountered like ever Uh, and what I mean by that is that a lot of stealth games they tend to make their systems and their mechanisms very obvious you know you know what the sight cones of different guys are you can see their their patterns and you know how they respond to things and so they kind of feel a bit more like a puzzle game whereas this is a lot more natural feeling and you can just do stuff that seems sensible because the people that you're engaging with are dumb idiots like you are and will be distracted by the same stuff that you are and you can actually make up a lot of like cool stealth tactical decisions on the fly just because like it makes sense when you're a, a scary guy hiding in the dark and no one knows where you are does that mean when you say that it's sensible stealth does that mean you can't hide in front of someone and then they just won't see you yeah basically like you have to be hidden um you can you know if it's dark though and you're like crouched down in grass and they don't have a torch and they're just like looking out because they saw a flicker of movement um they will at least come and have a cursory glance in the area and then they'll be like oh well there's something and then they'll walk Rats. away yeah. yes yeah yeah but after they've had that initial little suspicious thing, they'll always be on a little bit... They'll be a little bit jumpy, won't they? Yeah. Like, they'll be more responsive to if, if they hear a sound or something because they've had that initial spook. Right, yeah. so they never go all the way back down to their base. 
oh, they, just need a blurtness. It, it depends. Like, even that's done in a very natural way. Like, if it's, like, nothing, if you've done nothing, then they'll just be like, ah, whatever. But if you've done something slightly weird, if something's a little bit off, like, you hear them radioing in and they get advice back. And so that, that determines what they do. And sometimes they'll be like, it's nothing, stand down, it's fine, have a nap. And then other times they'll be like, look, stay on alert because we're not really sure who's out there. And so the fact that that you you can never really be too sure how they're going to respond if you make a little mistake like that is is fascinating and always keeps you on your toes. Mm. Uh, We should talk about this, though, for people who don't know what a Metal Gear is, like me. Yeah. Uh, I had to learn. So it's a big departure from the series in in a lot of ways, but narratively it, it is sort of like the missing link in the very middle of the story where one of the characters is having a, a transformational kind of episode. Think of the Star Wars saga uh, when Anakin transitions into Darth Vader. This is like that sort of key part of the story. We know what happens before. We know what happens after. We just This is like a time of change for the central character here. To be clear, though, unlike the, uh, the transition of Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader, this is cool and fun and something that you actually want to see and doesn't ruin the character that you already thought was cool. Yes. So the world of Metal Gear Solid is interesting. At first glance, it seems like it could be just your old gung-ho battlefield military dude, but there's actually a kind of sci-fi element at work. We've basically got the Avengers uh, evil and uh, under the influence of the Russian government here. That's the world that we live in here. Yeah, sort of. Like that's a real, <laughs> that's an incredibly truncated version yes. of of that. It is. It's a world of the the series has always been obsessed with the Cold War and with conspiracies and with secretive groups uh, manipulating world history. Uh, and so, in this game, um, you hear about you know the CIA, CIA, and you hear about the mysterious side group Cipher, who are led by Zero. And Cypher have their own stealth unit called XOF, and you used to be part of a group called FO. Like, there's a lot of, like, they they just keep throwing out all these different organizations who are trying to screw over everyone else. But uh, if you're fresh to the series, which I think a lot of people might be coming into this one because it's the first one on the PS4. It's one of the first ones in a long time that's been on the PC, and it is also a, a massive departure gameplay-wise than the previous ones. You can actually come into this fresh and just like let this mania wash over you and enjoy a really fantastic like open-world stealth game. Uh, the core thing to remember is that you are Snake, uh, also known as Big Boss, um, also known as Venom Snake, previously known as Naked Snake. You're, you are Snake. <laughs> let's, let's, let's rush past Naked Snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a man with an eye patch and a beard, voiced by Kiefer Sutherland, who is in charge of a secret military organization called the Diamond Dogs. You're trying to build up the Diamond Dogs. Uh, they never mention why you're obsessed with David Bowie, but that's fine. Um, why wouldn't you be? Exactly. Uh, and so you've got a shadowy enemy that you are fighting while you're also engaging in paramilitary operations in Afghanistan and Africa. Is that it? That's the gist of it, yeah. Yeah. Now, previously in the in the game series, we were treated to very long expository cutscenes 
so that meant that if you're a stranger to the series trying to sort of to infiltrate, I guess, if you will, the series as with fresh eyes, it was very hard because you had to extend your patience to these to deal with these huge story things that just came out of nowhere and lasted anywhere between 15 to 45 minutes. Yeah, wasn't the ending to Metal Gear Solid like an 80-minute cutscene? Crazy, yeah. So thankfully here, the story has been sort of pushed into the background almost. Mm. Uh, we don't have any of these very long cutscenes, although there are some, uh, but you can go hours and hours and hours without even Keith Sutherland saying more than a handful of grunts or sentences. Mostly he does sort of go, meh. Like, that's his line, is just scratches his chin and says, meh, and then everyone talks at him. And I'm happy with that. I think he must be very expensive to hire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Metal Gear Solid Five stars Venom Snake. Mm-hmm. He's an infiltration special- specialist and all-around badass. So what you've got is an open-world Afghanistan, and you your chopper flies you into these little drop zones, and then all of a sudden you've got this little facility that you have to infiltrate or do whatever on your mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I like about it is that so much of the game is spent in this open world that responds really naturally to everything that you do. Uh, and bits of it will kind of communicate with other parts as well. Um, and yet, uh, for an open world game, it still manages to pace itself really well like a more linear game. It has this home base thing that you keep returning to because you want to be building up stuff and talking to your troops and hanging out The mother base. The mother base, yes. So you'll be doing a single mission and you can keep going and you can just keep going and exploring and doing stuff, but you can also... I find myself just hopping a chopper back to the base just to take the moment to like reset myself mentally, but also you do the same thing for Snake because if he gets into any kind of firefights, he gets splattered with blood, right? Um, And you have to keep taking him back to Mother Base to take a shower because then he will also be mentally refreshed and will respond slightly better to uh, combat scenarios in the field. So the game keeps you packaging up your gameplay into these little, little moments rather than just that... That, that thing that happens in all open world games where you just sort of hit that ennui moment of everything just is extending out and it's very, you know, like the, it's, it gets a bit dull in the, the lull points in the middle, but here they've, they've taken that out cleverly. Um, so Metal Gear is a series that has been going for like 20 years now. The first one came out on a Jap- Japan-only PC system, uh, and then was ported to the NES in the 80s, and no one likes that port, apparently. Uh, it was big in the PlayStation 1, and then big in the PlayStation 2, and then big in the PlayStation 3, and then also had the PS Vita or PSP games. Like, all of these, yep. like, they have... Um, like, the Metal Gear Solid has really been very good to Sony. <laughs> um and they've also been very different. They keep reinventing themselves. So the previous ones were all about mostly being in an enclosed facility and sneaking around, right? Yes. Uh, and, and that kind of put me off. I, I felt like those other games were a bit too claustrophobic and I never really wanted to play them. And I, I thought that the way that they did stuff with stealth looked boring. And I didn't realize that actually a lot of the things that I find really fascinating, the, the attention to detail in here is all stuff that has been in there since the very early games as well. Like since 
Well, not like the the NES one, but since like the PS1 and PS2 games. Like being able to climb in a cardboard box and hide. Well, that that is a, a mainstay, and that's very important, and the best way to hide from anyone. But stuff like you can shoot a guy's radio and destroy it, and he won't be able to call in for reinforcements. Uh, and they take that to weird extremes in this case. So if you if a guy starts to call someone on his radio and you shoot the radio or you shoot him, uh, that will also concern the person on the other end of that radio and you are in just as much trouble if you <laughs> if you do that. Like that's no way of stopping reinforcements from coming in. You actually have to be a lot more thoughtful if that happens. Uh what do you do in that case, Ray? What do you do? If the guy calls in reinforcements. Yeah, yeah. You see a guy who spots you and calls someone on the radio. What have you done in this game? Well, what what have I done to get to that point? To get out of that point. Uh, what to get out of that point? Well, uh, the brilliant thing about this game is that there's basically a number of different options. Mm-hmm. You get a split second when you're seen to do like one free kind of action. So time slows down and you can either use that opportunity to shoot them in the face or to duck and roll for cover or do something like that. Um, so that is very helpful. You can also turn that off if you want a more hardcore challenge. Uh, but what I tend to do is I, if I can kill them, I'll do that. Because once you've been seen, um, it's really hard to, to get out of that situation. And the best way to, to stop that is to kill the guy who's <laughs> right in front of you and then disappear from the, the area. A lot of stealth games tend to be far too punitive or the... the the simulation falls to pieces once you have been discovered where I feel like Metal Gear uh, actually gets more interesting once your your perfect plan starts to fall to pieces. Uh, you tend to need to um, to mix things up a bit. You know, you, you get a bit experimental. Um, and so while I always have the best intentions of doing a completely invisible stealth run, using only tranquilizer darts... Um, you know, if someone spots me, if I get a bit sloppy, I don't go, ah, oh, man, and then go back and redo it. I just deal with the consequences because the consequences are fun. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, you know, use more of your arsenal, and that's also very interesting. Yeah, the game is most exciting when your plan fails yeah. <laughs> because the the troops, the game reacts so convincingly to to you screwing up, and it just gets more and more exciting. And some of the best most tense moments of the game are found when your plan goes awry and you're forced to improvise. Yeah, yeah. Like, I always love, you know, if I've been discovered, then I realize that I can start to go a bit loud. And so I want to get the helicopter in, but you can't bring in the helicopter to extract yourself out until you've cleared your um, the anti-aircraft weapons. So uh, you can see the satellite dishes around the place that you will need to destroy to to make that happen. And so then that's when I you know, make my way down there and blow those up, which causes more chaos because suddenly it's not just we saw a guy, it's like there are explosions and systems are down. And so you know, as this plan is happening on, you know, on the fly and I'm having to like call in helicopters and knock people out and, and stuff, um, yeah, like there's this, this swirling chaos that builds out of that one, one decision. It's, it's really... Um, yeah, that, that moment where you get discovered is the, the butterfly that causes the storm somewhere else. So what kind of tools do you have? And I don't mean like what kind of guns you got. I mean like what do you have to deal with situations? Uh, I think the you most... You mentioned tranquilizer darts. Tranks are great. You also can 
get, and I, I love the fact that you can get rubber bullets for all types of guns, uh, because that's really fun. Like that's that's a great idea that you are like sneaking around and just like pegging someone with a bean bag in order to steal a giant two-legged robot nuke machine. Um. <laughs> uh, Snake also has a robotic arm, uh, which is handy for punching dudes, but he can also mm-hmm. sort of flick it around and it makes a weird robotic noise that guards just have to you know, wonder about what the hell that is. Mm. Uh, you also have an unlimited supply of empty magazines, so like gun mags, right. and uh, you can throw those. And that's sort of my favorite. That's my go-to tool is you can just sort of lob them over a, a box or something, and then the guy hears it, and he goes over to investigate. While his back's turned, take that opportunity to, robot to dash. You can get your robot arm out and smash him, or you can just alternatively just go to the next little thing of cover. Mm-hmm. My absolute favorite thing to do in the game uh, is that if you sneak up on someone and then you draw your weapon on them, uh, Kiefer Sutherland will use one of his two lines that he's been paid to say, and he'll be like, hey, uh, and you hold them up, and they are held at gunpoint, and you can ask them for uh, information about like where the cool stuff is held in the mission, and then you get them to lie down on the ground, and then they're out until um, there's a you know full... like. Uh, base-wide state of emergency when they will be free to get back up and chase after you. But it is a really great way of taking people out of the fight because if you just knock someone out, mm-hmm. um, if they, they'll be stunned, but they'll wake up and then they might try to figure out why they're on the ground and unconscious instead of on their usual patrol. And tranquilizing guys has certain limits as well. Um, but you can just hold anyone up and make them eat dirt it's great yeah. <laughs> or you can grab them from behind and get them in like a headlock from where you can from that position you can uh, choke them out stab them in the throat or interrogate them mm. so which whichever one of those things sounds cool uh, now once your your target is unconscious you have access to a device called the Fulton device the Fulton extraction the Fulton device. extraction device which is basically some kind of mini miniature hot air balloon yeah that um, whips them at a high pace back to your mother base where they are convinced uh, forcibly or otherwise to become a part of your team. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that um, you you have a real, uh, you actually have to make a choice about whether you're doing a, you know, a stealth mission and whether you're do- going no kill or whether you actually are going for expediency. A lot of games do try to make you uh, make that decision, uh, like Dishonored is one. But the conditions that surround them seem kind of arbitrary. Dishonored is a game that sort of punishes you for being an assassin, even though it's a game where you're an assassin. Whereas here, the decision is based not just on that idea of wanting to go through non-lethally, but then also anyone that you actually just knock out and then extract becomes a valuable resource and they just join your team. And you see them walking around your base later on and they're like, hey boss, thanks for getting me out of there and letting me join your team. That's great. They yeah. actually say that. Yeah, and hilariously around your base, you can just use people as punching bags. 
like just for fun to practice your your punching or to practice your throws and they always thank you for for the privilege <laughs> they all they say uh-huh. hey boss why don't you train with me and like that's all you can do okay. yeah the first thing you do when you land in mother base actually is that a guy salutes you and you see a prompt with a hand come up that says R2 and you assume okay uh, this is a contextual button you press it and you just punch him in the face and he thanks you for it <laughs> it is absurd now all the goings on at mother base they actually have a real tangible effect on the gameplay it's not just a little mini game uh, kind of distraction like you've got different teams at your disposal a combat team that you can send out to do missions that get rewards earn you currency or even extra recruits for your your team there's a research and development division which if you build up gains you access to the latest weaponry that's how you sort of get access to better guns and different weapons etc and a medical unit you know that helps you out in the field and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there's like intel as well, so you get information about what's happening around you in the field. The, the the stuff in the base builds back into the stuff that you're doing in the the stealth missions, which yeah. is is really really great. It's a really dense game. There's a lot going on. Mm. It's very deep, and it's also really cool that in this one you've got the support of your little army guys, mm. your your team. In the other previous games, uh, you know you're you're alone. You're behind enemy lines. If you were caught, you'd probably get tortured, but they would deny your existence. Here, like, if you need help, it's there for you. You can call in a chopper to extract you if you want or to give you covering fire while you disappear. While playing Ride of the Valkyries. Yeah, That's right. You can call in, like, supply and weapon drops in case you run out of C4. It's just there at your disposal. So it, you've, you really get the feeling that there's that you've got the support of your allies. You have friends in this game, and you kind of think of them like that because they really like Big Boss, which is you. Uh, <laughs> so you, you want to like them, even though these are characters who go on to be in later games or earlier games in the series, but later chronologically, these are villains that you fight in the game. Uh, so that's a, that's a fun thing. They really humanized these, these weirdos who all have names like Ocelot and stuff like that. Um, it's. I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that there is a, an obsessive level of attention to detail in this game that that makes everything fun and surprising. The fact that uh, when you are moving around hidden underneath the box, the different types of uh, of actual locomotion that you have, where you are either sneaking around or crawling on your belly or just running around or then doing your leap and slide change the way that you move around in the box so that if you do the the power dive button to uh you know when you're avoiding a grenade or being spotted while you have the box up you end up sliding along on the box on your belly and if you're going down an incline that's an excellent way to escape from troops because now you have a cardboard toboggan You're absolutely right there in the fact that the attention to detail is staggering. And it's even more impressive when you consider the scope of the game. Like, Mm. it's a huge game. And yet every single element of the world has been been gone over with the fine-tooth comb to make sure that it's watertight. Mm. And with that, I think it brings a lot of replayability. Even though I've sort of charged through the missions, not really caring if I got spotted just for the sake of progression, uh, you can go back and do missions again if you want to get that fabled S rank, uh, which is going in there without being spotted and without killing anybody. And that's something that, for some reason, I'm very inclined to do, even though in other stealth games, I couldn't care less about 
that sort of thing. For some reason, Metal Gear Solid has just brought out this obsessive stealthiness in me that I never knew I had. We've been talking about Metal Gear Solid Five. Now let's sum up in 30 seconds or less, Lee. It's really, really great. It's one of the best stealth games I've ever played. It is uh, currently both of our obsessions. Uh, if you are at least even partially intrigued and wish to experiment with the many systems, even if you're not too interested in a stealth game, as an action game, it is also like excellent. It is just like an, an obsessively detailed wonderful thing that has been put together by mad people and there may never be another game like it because Konami are possibly maybe never really going to make another one of these that isn't a pachinko machine that's right uh, a masterpiece I would say mm. yeah I don't use that word often but masterpiece Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain you can get it for PS4 Xbox One 360 PS3 and the PC which is what you and I have been playing it on Lee Mm-hmm. Jody, you've been playing Warhammer 40,000 Regicide. Yes, I have, which is sort of a chess game, but it's also a strategy game, and it's also being a Warhammer 40,000 game about space marines shooting up orcs, as they all are. Did you ever play Battle Chess, the old interplay chess game? Yes. Yeah, right, so that's like regular for real chess only with cool animations so that when your queen takes a rook you see some lady with a crystal ball shoot lightning at a living castle that explodes and it just makes chess slightly more fun for easily bored teenagers which is what I was playing battle chess and regicide is that you can play it as just a perfectly normal chess game with the rules of chess just when you take a piece you see an orc with a gun shoot up a space marine but then there's the other half of the game Uh, which you play in a completely different mode where at the end of each turn of chess that you play you go into this thing called the initiative phase and suddenly each of your pieces has these special abilities you can power. You have like three points a turn to spend doing stuff which might be throwing a grenade or activating a shield or using like one of your queen's psychic powers which turns it into a completely different game like percentages pop up over the heads of your enemies like in XCOM when you're choosing who to shoot and you whittle away their hit points and then you run out of points in the initiative phase and then you just go back and then the computer plays a turn of chess against you and then does the exact same thing. Oh, weird. Is that disjointed? It is at first very disjointed because when you take a piece in the regular, the movement phase where you're just playing chess, it's just like knight takes pawn, bish bash bosh over and done. Whereas when you shoot at someone in the initiative phase there's like, now you have a 60 whatever percent chance to hit and when you hit you knocked off like three hit points and a point of armor, a little bar over the head went down. It it seems much less decisive at first. It's just like playing a regular game of chess only every three or four turns somebody extra dies who would not normally have died. But then uh, once you figure it out there are a lot of combinations of those abilities you can get into and suddenly it does actually become important. It really clicked for me when I stopped playing the actually kind of boring campaign mode against the computer and went and played it against actual humans on the internet because um, Regicide keeps all of the advanced rules of chess as well as the regular rules, stuff like castling and promotion and on percent captures and all of this. That So you, when you play against someone on the internet and they castle early, you realize, ah, you know how to play chess. You actually know what you're doing. And then I used the rules of Regicide 
to hammer them and I feel really good about it because there are a lot of moves that make sense in chess like staying away from the edges and like dominating the middle that are terrible moves in regicide because if you take the edges in regicide it's a lot easier for you to shoot inwards ah. so you do the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do in chess and you can dominate someone who is much better than chess at you <laughs> so what I like about this game is that I'm really good at it on the internet, whereas actual chess I suck at. So this is chess for thugs yeah, who wish basically. to beat up nerds. If you're good at XCOM and bad at chess, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that people who are good at chess will be drawn to this? No, they'll hate it. They, they're like purists? Well, no, because you can play in, in the classic mode where you are just playing chess with some very brutal animations and and in that mode it is a fine chess game with like six different levels of AI and the top level is actually pretty smart uh, and those animations are really gory I wish Candy was here to hear about them because she would love them like your knights are guys with jetpacks which explains why they can move over the other units uh, see yeah. that makes more sense than horses yeah wait yeah. Uh, so when they use their jetpacks to take a, like a pawn they fly down out of the sky with a chain sword, which is a chainsaw crossed with a sword, and just carve someone in half with it, and blood sprays all over your black and white chessboard, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I like the concept of the chain sword. I think it's a cool word as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're still a teenager on the inside. <laughs> yeah. So, like, is it an eight by eight sort of grid, just like chess? So yeah, it's, it is. It's actu it is actually a version of chess. Yeah, it is yeah. totally. Uh, in the campaign mode, though, it sometimes pops uh, bits of terrain down on the board that can't be crossed. So when you're just playing like in skirmish mode where it's just a one versus one game, it's a real chessboard. But in the campaign, every now and then parts will be blocked off, which is uh, actually really annoying because one of the other advanced rules that it includes is stalemate. So mm -hmm. if your opponent can't make a legal move, it's a draw, no matter how much you are beating them by. If at any point all of their pawns are, you know, stuck against a piece of terrain and can't move forwards and you've killed everyone else, then stalemate and you have to go back and do the whole mission again because you didn't win. That was just a draw according to the dumb rules of dumb chess. That sounds tedious. Yes. There's another reason why I suggest yeah. getting the hell out of the campaign mode. It's not where the best part of this game is. Mm. Stalemate makes sense in real chess because it makes the ending more tense. You don't yeah. have that thing like you have in StarCraft or whatever where you're winning but you have to track down that one guy on the other side of the map to just prove that you've won and your opponent has nothing they can do except annoy you. Your opponent, even if you're winning them in, at, you're defeating them in chess, still has a chance to force a draw. Mm -hmm. But if it's the computer doing that because of the dumb layout of the map, then that's annoying. Uh, Jody, you've been talking about Warhammer 40,000 Regicide. That's available for the PC? Is it yeah, available for Yeah, it's coming to tablets later, but at yep. the moment it's only on the PC. Cool. Thank you very much, Jody. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of Zed Games. Uh, thank you very much for your company. We'll be back next week at the same time. Uh, if you'd like to know more about the program, we have a blog, which is zedgamesau.net. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook, ZedGamesAU.